I'm going to be reading. Sorry, Psalm 4. Come back, 100. Psalm 4. A lovely psalm about David. Psalm 4, starting at verse 1. Answer me when I call a God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Amen. How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have the sacred scriptures to learn from, to get to know you, to get to trust you, to get to love you. So, Father, help me now as I come to preach your word. Help me to be clear and understood, but help us also to listen. Help us to hear what the word has to say to our hearts and minds, so it can transform us more into Christ-likeness. But help us, Father. We want to know you. We want to know your word so we can walk uprightly and blamelessly in this world. Have mercy upon us all, Father. Give us strength. And, Father, I just think of Mariana. Be merciful to her. You are the God of all comfort. May you give her that extra grace to endure this time with the death of her beloved husband, Graham, who's gone to be with you, Father, and is rejoicing with the Lord Jesus and you. So, Father, please be merciful to her. May you comfort her. May you give her that strength. May she seek your word, knowing that she has peace, because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, Father, we just thank you. Thank you for, for all that you have done for her and you're doing for her. Just give her the strength, Father, and the grace. Be merciful to her. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought as we leading up to Christmas to look at peace of mind in God. There's a lot of stress that goes on this time of the year. There's a lot of that's going on in our world, that's going on in our country, etc. But, but when we have struggles, when we have pain, do we experience peace of mind in God when trials come our way? Are we experiencing peace of mind in God? I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm just talking generally. Do you have peace of mind in God when trials come your way? And Psalm 4 is that type of that psalm. <coughs> David is experiencing trials. His son Absalom is against him. Absalom is trying to shame him. He's slandering his name. And he wants to, to, to take his kinship away from him. And he wants his own dad dead. But David, instead of wallowing in his circumstances, instead of getting self-absorbed self and self-pity, he finds peace in God, knowing God's protection as well. Because, like I said, our struggles... And our difficulties will come in different shapes and forms. People can slander 
our names. People can gossip about us. People can speak against our, our name, our character. We saw that with Daniel. How they spoke against Daniel and they tried to destroy Daniel. And the only way they could destroy Daniel was do something against his God, the law of the God. They couldn't attack his character, but they had to attack him through his love for God. I think of load shedding. One minute we in stage five, then we're coming down and then we're going up and it affects us psychologically. It affects businesses. It affects people's budget, food, etc. Look at the world, the wars. There's lots to, to be worried about and anxious about. We look around us, there's strikes, there's rape, there's murder, there's corruption, there's unemployment, there's poverty. People don't know how to treat one another anymore. There's no more love and dignity. No caring for one another. Just anger and hatred. And that's partially because man is forgetting God. The more we push God aside, the more we become God and rule as we please. Like I preached, I don't know how many weeks ago, the, more, the less of God in your heart, the more animal-like you will be. You act in an, in an irrational manner. So we, we've got to ask ourselves, where will we go to experience true peace when we go and get into struggles, when, when things don't go our way? Where do we go? Where, what place do we go to? And I know people can cultivate peace today. We see different religions and our people walk around peacefully and they have a different ambiance and they, outwardly they show you this. But that's not true peace. That is not true peace. And if our knowledge of God is faulty, if we're not reading the scriptures and we're not allowing God to grow us and we're not getting to know God and our, and our knowledge of Him is faulty, then He's not going to be good enough, strong enough to help us. And we won't be able to find and get true peace in God. Let me remind us, true peace can only come through salvation. When we are saved, we have made peace with God. There is no war with God. We need to be justified by faith. We need to be counted as righteousness before God. We need to repent and believe and put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us, but the words, it was counted to Abraham as righteousness were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. I like the way we'll look at that just now where David starts off, O God of my righteousness. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. When we believe what we need to believe in order to be saved, those doctrines, those truths about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we will have true peace. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and that's faith in Christ alone, for God's glory alone, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is, that is peace knowing that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that peace needs to be cultivated. And this is the peace that Jesus spoke about. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
True peace with God is not available through any human resource, not available through anything else but one person, and that is Jesus Christ alone. You can cultivate a false peace, you can be a peaceful person, but it will never bring glory and honor to God. It will never, never satisfy God, because it's not His peace. Peace is a gift, and it comes from God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to His disciples, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In me, in the world, you will have tribulation. There it is. Tribulation is going to come and it's going to unsettle us. But will we have peace in God? Peace of mind in God. Take heart, Jesus says. I've overcome the world. Look to me. I'm the author and perfecter of your faith. Look to me. For the joy I endured the cross, the shame, and I sat down next to the right hand of the Father. And we look to Jesus so we will not come weary and faint-hearted. Now you might be sitting here this morning and saying, Mark, I have true peace with God. I know that if I die, there is no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus. But you might be saying, Mark, but how do I experience that peace? How do I experience peace of mind with God? How do I Get that peace of mind with God when trials and sufferings and difficulties come our way. We've working through the book of Daniel and we see Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They had tremendous peace going into the fiery furnace. We think of Daniel going into the lion's den. He had tremendous peace. We just finished chapter 6, Daniel in the lion's den. And we, and we saw that the king was the one that was restless and anxious. And we, we heard nothing about Daniel being anxious or restless. So here are two facts. And we'll probably just look at the one fact this morning. Because this is important that we, that we experience peace of mind in God as we face trials. That we can look at the psalm and it can bring us comfort no matter what we're going through. Because we want to experience peace so that God can work in us to do three things. To know Him. To, to, to love Him and to trust Him. That's, we want, that's why we want peace of mind in God. So here's our first fact from Psalm 4. To teach us to experience peace of mind in God through trials. And that is to know that God has set apart the godly. And we see that in verses 1 to 5 of Psalm 4. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. And I think if we look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. He has set apart the godly, and if He set apart the godly for Himself, we are His children. He's going to help us. He's going to take care of us. But the nice thing about the psalm is that it's a lovely psalm of prayer for us to experience peace of mind in God. Verse 1 says, David says, Answer me, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. God is the God of His righteousness because 
It's through the true living God that you are declared right and you have a right standing before God. Jesus is our righteousness. When you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, His righteousness is imputed to you. And He is our righteousness. But someone else said about the righteousness is that the righteous God champions the rights of His people. The, the God who is the God of my righteousness can also right the wrong in my life. He can also help me because of who He is. He's a faithful God. He's a, he's a loving God and a caring God. He remains faithful even when we're unfaithful. And David prays to God because he knows that his God is a God of his righteousness. And we should know that, that Jesus is our righteousness. And in the presence of God, he's in the presence of God to champion our right, to help us. But if you look at the rest of verse 1, you have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. David is, David's praying because he has experienced God's help in the past. In the past, God, you've given me relief when I was in distress. Now, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Like you've helped me in the past, I need your help again. I like what someone said. Trials disrupt our normal. And it's supposed to disrupt the normal to make us feel in need for help. And who do we go to for help? God. Struggles and trials and pains come our way because they can shake us. And they can make us lean on God. They should drive us to God. To, to seek this peace of mind in God. And we can do this because God has set us apart. His children, the godly. He knows us. He loves us. All of you can look back at answered prayer. Everybody here probably can put up their hand and, and tell a story about how God answered a prayer in the past. How gracious He was to you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When God answers your prayer, you're tasting and you're seeing that the Lord is gracious and good. That He, that he is great. That how He gave you relief in the past from your distress and how gracious He was to you, He will do the same in His time. He might deliver you from the trial or through the trial, but doesn't mean He's not going to do exactly the same thing. A lot of people will read Daniel in the lion's den and expect God now to do the same for them. Just take away their difficulties. God can, if He wants to, supernaturally. But look back and see how God has worked in your life. How he, how he has heard you in the past. And that should bring great peace of mind. Knowing that our God hears us. He's the God of my righteousness. And like He's given me relief in the past, in my distress, He will do the same now. Psalm 119, verse 132 says, and David would have known this, Turn to me, God, and be gracious to me, God, as is your way with those who love your name. Do you love the name? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? The name. We spoke about that last week. We put our faith and trust in a name, and that's in God, in His character, who He is. 
We don't put our faith and trust in what he's going to do for us because if he doesn't, that's dangerous. We become discouraged and despondent. We put our name in, our trust in a name, in his name. God is God. He's a holy God. And we know him because we read his word and we love him. And we cry out to him, Lord, turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Please help me as I cry to you in distress. Deliver this distress from me. David loves his God and he turns to God because he has an enemy behind him and it's his son. And verse 2 tells us that his son is, is, is not honouring David. O oh men, how long shall my honour be turned into shame? You should honour the king. You don't despise the king and slander his name. You honour the king. You respect the king. Just like we need to respect and honour our president. Doesn't mean we have to agree with everything he did, but how do we show respect and honour? We can, we can listen and do the things he asks us to do. And we don't have to listen to him when he tells us to do things against God's word. Just like the three satraps did when they tried to get Daniel killed in the lion's den. But we can, we can show honour and respect by praying for our country and our president as well. And yeah, we have Absalom and his men, they slander David. They come against God's anointed king. They claim in empty things. How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? That's exactly what people do when they come against you. They create lies and it's all just empty words. They don't know what to say and do, so they make up stories. That's why we must be careful. We, 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 when we speak, we must make sure our words are seasoned with grace and salt, that we speak when we need to speak. We don't just speak for the sake of speaking. If we haven't got true facts, then we should be silent about someone. <coughs> I know we also like to speculate and we like to assume. That also should silence us until the truth is before us because every careless word that comes out of our mouth will be judged by God. It's important that we can learn. How, oh men, how long shall my honour be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? They come against me. They try to discredit me. They're fighting against you actually, God, because I'm your anointed. The beautiful thing about David and about us is David is in a covenant relationship with God. Israel was in a covenant relationship with God. We are in a new covenant with, with God, in a new covenant relationship with God. Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed on the cross, not only for forgiveness of sins, but the inauguration of the new covenant. And if we're in a covenant relationship with God, then he, then he has set us apart as his godly children. He hears us when we pray and he can help us. David knows that his God is his righteousness because he's in that covenant relationship with him. And so are we in a new covenant relationship with God. And verse, I think it's Psalm 37. 
Psalm 37, I've got it written here, verses 25 to 26, says this. Psalm 37. The step, sorry, I have been young and I know, and I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. He never forsakes his saints. He never forsakes those he set apart. He's always there to help us. Are we willing to cry to God? Are we willing to go to God? We can. We can with confidence as Christians draw near to the throne of grace. With confidence, because of our confidence in Christ Jesus, what he has accomplished for us on the cross, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We need to pray for God's grace to instruct us and to help us when we face our enemies or trials. God has set us apart as his godly children to trust him, to be blessed by his grace. God wants to help us and bless us and, and help us abundantly beyond more than we ask. But it's us that turn our back on him. we the ones that deny him that help. What a friend we have in Jesus, but how often we forfeit our prayers, how often we forfeit his help. Because we want to find help in ourselves. And if we can just go to God in our hardships, in our trials, instead of turning our backs on him and rebelling against him, we can experience peace of mind in God. But the, the, the peace of mind in God is not, it's not, okay, I'm at peace with God because I know what he's going to do for me. No, the peace of mind in God is I know my God. I know that He's a loving, kind God. I know that He's the Creator God. That He's a holy God, a just God, an upright God. I know that the trial has come my way, not for Him to punish me or to tick me off. He's a just God. And he's, that trial is for a purpose. And that is to help me examine my heart, to see the sin so that I can be transformed more and more into Christ-likeness. God doesn't just come and bring trials into our life and leave us there. He has a purpose. Just like he let the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years to test what was in their heart. And that's what he's doing. And then we look at Psalm, let me look at the rest of or verses 4 to 5 of Psalm 4. And that helps David and us, especially when we are wanting to do things in our own eyes. Verse 4 to 5 says, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. When difficulties come our way, when trials come our way, and they will come our way. We will have tribulation in this life, Jesus says. We can get frustrated. We can get angry. We can sin. We can, we can want to take vengeance. And we know that vengeance is not for us. Vengeance is for the Lord. It says in Romans 12. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written... Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 
And then verse 21, to not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this psalm helps us. Be angry and do not sin. James says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do something about it before you go to bed. And then ponder it on your own. Ponder it in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Think about it, but then do something about it. Don't say, yes, tomorrow I'm going to go and I'm going to take vengeance on whoever is slandering my name or causing problems. Do something about it. And what we can do is do what 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Ponder on the things of God as well. Ponder on, yes, I'm irritated, I'm frustrated, but I need to do something about it. And then do something about it and then be silent. God will sustain you in your sleep. God will sustain you in your, in your bed. And then verse 5 makes us see that we need to offer right sacrifices before God for Him to hear us. We can't, we can't just carry on normally and, and pray and expect God to hear our prayers if, we, if we're acting in sin and doing things that are unbiblical. We need to have a righteous heart attitude. We need to have a righteous behavior. And the sacrifices that need to be offered must be right. Offered with a righteous attitude. That's why when we come to the Lord's Supper, we must examine our hearts. We must confess our sin. We want to come with a right heart attitude. We want to come with a heart that is blameless and upright. And we know from another lovely verse in Romans, is... Um, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed, sorry, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We need to know that we need to come to God with a righteous attitude, a right attitude. He is our righteous God, and we can stand before Him Praise the Lord, clothed in Jesus' righteousness. But we need to make sure we remain in fellowship with Him and we confess our sins. And if we are presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to, be, to God, which is your spiritual worship, then as God's godly children, God has set us apart to be His godly ones, we can experience the peace of mind in God. That's why this first fact in Psalm 4 is there to teach us to experience peace of mind in God through trials. And it's important to know that God has set you apart as one of His godly ones. He has set us apart not to live as we please. He has set us apart to honour Him, to glorify Him. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. And then when we look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And listen to verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, as one of his godly ones, who he set apart for you to be godly, who for their sake died 
and was raised. Remember, we've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We're not our own. We belong to God. He has set us apart to be godly. He has set apart the godly to live godly lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can learn from the Psalms. Thank you the Psalms are there to strengthen our inner man, to encourage us, but they're also to see that, that real men struggle when it comes to trials and circumstances. We will all become anxious. There will always be some form of stress. But thank you we can come to you and ask you to deliver us from our distresses. Thank you that you hear us when we call upon you because we have a faithful mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, who intercedes for us. Thank you, Father, that you are a loving, compassionate Father, that you have not left us to ourselves as orphans. We are your children. And help us when we come now to the Lord's Supper that we are reminded what Christ did for us, that there on the cross he died to forgive our sins, to reconcile us to you, Father, to set us apart, the godly one, for you. So help us to live a godly life, Father. Help us to trust you so we can have peace of mind in you when we go through trials. Answer us, Father, when we call upon your name. Hear us and help us. Give us the wisdom and strength we need. Be merciful to us, Father. Thank you that we have your word, which, is, which Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, Father, we just want to thank you and praise you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for the sacred scriptures. They're there to help us to build us up in Christ Jesus. Pray in us this all in Jesus' name. Amen.